I welcome you uh, to Rivermont this morning along with Pastor Brett and invite you to open your Bibles or one of the pew Bibles to the Gospel of John, to John chapter 15. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 11 this morning. For Rivermont, as we begin a new year of relational discipleship and we celebrate our life together as covenant family in worship, in community, and mission, these verses encourage us to ongoing maturity in Jesus Christ as evident in the growth of the vineyard. The context of John chapter 15, Jesus is with his disciples in the upper room before his death upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and before his resurrection for our salvation. Jesus affirms the last of the seven I am sayings of Christ in the gospel of John. In John chapter 15, he opens with these words that I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus, as the true vine, brings life to each of the branches. And the purpose of the vine is to bring nourishment to the branches in order that they might produce fruit and bring glory to God the Father. For you and for me, the vitality of our spiritual life is dependent upon our connection, our life uh, with Christ, the true vine, and what he gives to us as his branches. For our growth in the vineyard, his church, let us now hear God's word. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, as we now give attention to your word, open our eyes that we might behold the wonders of your love. Holy Spirit, pour light upon these words which you have caused to be inspired and write them upon our hearts for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now the first question of the Westminster Confession of Faith, Shorter Catechism, asks... What is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Today we connect where Pastor Clay had us last Sunday on Labor Day weekend in which we were encouraged to respond to God's call to work and to rest, to testify to His power and to live in freedom with today's call from the Lord to be about our generational business. In this business, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, Jesus invites all of us to be about the labor for which the the universe and each generation were created. Growth in the vineyard. This we embrace no matter our earthly vocation, our age, or our talents. Talents is for all of us. Now sometimes we miss the mark. I recently read a story of a father and a daughter in the kitchen. They're preparing their meal together. And the daughter simply asks the dad, 
how do you like your new iPad that I gave you? So with that, he said, good. And he picked up his iPad and he took out his knife, put the vegetables on top and used it as a chopping block. To his daughter's dismay, he rinses it in the sink and places it into the dishwasher. In real life, it's no laughing matter when you see something costly, which now is the bride of Christ, not being used to fulfill its intended purpose. For those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, if we fail to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever, this is terribly sad. Yet, even though sometimes we miss the mark, we do not fulfill our intended person, there is great news for us in these verses. There's hope from Jesus Christ. For our verses are all about enjoying God, abiding in our Savior, remaining in His Word, bearing fruit, and enjoying Him forevermore. By God's grace, we can glorify God and enjoy Him forever as we mature in our relationship with Jesus and embrace growth in the vineyard. In our text, four elements combined that should be clearly visible in the church. And it begins with abiding in Him, His Word, and remaining in prayer. This we see in verse 7, where Jesus says, If you abide in Me and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It begins with abiding in Christ. We must have true relationship to our Savior. One of being in vital connection with Jesus Christ as divine. It is a living relationship of faith in which you trust Christ and His merits for salvation. It is also a a relationship of daily trust in which we receive His love and we love Him day by day, every day, by His grace. Our confidence is not in our works or our human effort, but rather in what Christ has done for us in His perfect life and His atoning death upon the cross. But all this means that today is we depend on Him for everything. And so you and I can honestly say, He is my life, my joy, my everything always. But not only do we abide in Christ, we remain in His Word. As we read and focus upon the Word of God, we digest the Scriptures as part of our lives. We allow the Bible to connect our private life and our life together in worship and in our Sunday schools, in our life groups, and in our mission. It means that you and I, we cannot separate our relationship to Jesus from the Word of God in a prayer because they all go together. The primary way that Christ reveals Himself to us is through the Bible. We spend time in His Word asking the Holy Spirit to help us to understand more and more of the loving relationship we have with our Savior. And I simply ask, do you see this truth, my Christian friend? The Scriptures best reveal the person, the love, and the call of Christ. The Bible gives direction for life and for peace. So we embrace the Word of God consistently, both individually and corporately, for growth in the vineyard. And then we see that we are to continue in prayer. For Jesus tells us that if we abide in Him and His words abide in us, then ask whatever you wish. And it will be done for you. Now, Jesus has already told his disciples in the upper room. This is from John chapter 14, that whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. 
If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And this is what it means. We have the freedom, the peace to ask anything of the Lord our God coupled with some wonderful qualifications. For we have the stability and security of His Word and His good purpose and His name, His will for our lives and the glory of God the Father. So, dear family of God, pray and live as free children of God protected by the all-wise boundaries of our Heavenly Father. Pray for the glory of God in our individual and community life. Pray privately. Pray corporately in your homes and pray together in worship and in the community we call REPC. So now the questions are a little bit different. Do you embrace the Lord Jesus Christ? Are His words abiding in you? Do you drink deeply of the truth of God's Word so that His truth forms the heart of your prayer life? That's what the Word is calling us to this day. And if you desire to love Christ and pray effectively and then dig deeply into the Word of God, meditate upon it, saturate yourself with this eternal truth, then approach the throne of grace based on the Lord's merits. That's in His name. Align yourself in relationship to God and His purposes. Surrender your desire to be His desires and allow His priorities to become our priorities. Then secondly, though, we know that growth in the vineyard also involves bearing fruit for the Father's glory. This we see in verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Bearing fruit has an aim. The glory of God. Jesus tells us that in bearing much fruit, the Father is glorified. The point of planting a vineyard is not to grow pretty leaves, but rather to grow fruit. Now, I'm not much of a botanist. Yet I can identify some types of trees by what I see growing on them. For example, if I'm up in the hills around us and I see trees with some round fruit, fruit, I can say, hey, that's an apple tree. Now you may say, well, duh. Anyone can identify a tree by its fruit, yes. And Jesus said something very similarly. It's true. And it's also kind of convicting. For someone should be able to look at your life and say, "Uh uh-huh, that's a Christian. Or someone should look at our church and say, "Uh uh-huh, that's a church alive in Christ. Others should know us by our fruits. Now, since God saved us for His glory, it's important to know what this fruit is. Do you think that that is true? And here it is. Fruit is the beautiful character of Christ that is growing in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as an apple tree bears apples, not thistles, so a Christian produces Christ-likeness. We're becoming more and more like Jesus day by day. And we bear the fruit in our hearts and in our lives. I love the Word of God when Paul tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the issues of the Lord Jesus Christ that are being informative in our own hearts by the power of the Spirit and His grace 
to overflow to the world around us. Having Christ dwell in our hearts by faith is the root of this fruit. And this fruit matures in relationship with Jesus and with one another and brings glory to the Father. Now in the context of John 15, bearing fruit highlights the fruit of love, evident through our loving kindness and the way that we care for one another. I say this because of the context of John chapter 15, verse 12, that this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now the fruit of love, as the fruit of the Spirit, involves the way we commit ourselves to the well-being of others without any conditions or qualifications. It includes the way we embrace our spouses and treasure our children. It includes the exercising of our spiritual gifts for the body's benefit. And as a side note, if you want to know your spiritual gift, I know many of you have taken spiritual gifts inventories, but for the last 200 or so new members we have and are getting to know Rivermont class, this, this tool called Equipping the Saints. And so hopefully this fall we will have that on our website as a tool for you to use to help you to plug into ministry based on who you are. Inside note. But our Fruit of the Spirit of love, it includes our faithfulness and being a servant to others, to our involvement in mission in Lynchburg and the world. For, at, for us as a church, you remember our mission statement. It's often right there on the front bulletin of our front panel of our bulletin. It is simply that we seek the renewing of lives through God's compelling love in Lynchburg and the world. And what this means is that your commitment to worship and community and mission, it supports our health and growth in the vineyard, our call here at Rivermont, to reflect fruit that brings glory to God the Father. Our fruit before a watching world is a testimony to God's grace and brings glory to His name. Hallelujah. So let me ask you, are you growing in love? Are you growing in holiness, in patience, in righteousness? Do you seek the fruit of the Spirit in the context of each relationship that God has given you? Practically speaking, for us as branches receiving life from the vine with a call to bear fruit, please keep these three things in mind. First, if you recognize that you're falling short in bearing fruit, say the fruit of love, Please don't accept your information, your imperfections, and shrug your shoulders and let the issue fall by the wayside. Rather, confess your sin. Repent of those things that hinder Christ's character from developing in your hearts that overflow. Apply the promises of Scripture and depend on the Holy Spirit to produce His fruit in you. That's grace. Second, Oh, this is important. Check your motives from time to time as you bear fruit. Ask, why do I want to bear fruit before a watching world? If you are serving the Lord so that others will say nice things about you, or if you feel hurt when people don't give you enough praise, or if you're doing fruit and bearing fruit to fulfill your own voids of life, your motives are wrong because you are seeking your own glory and your own comfort and not God's glory for these things. So just check your motives from time to time. But third, check your source of power. 
If you're serving the Lord in your own strength and just asking Him for a little help now and then, chances are that you're getting pretty tired. That's what I have discovered for myself. Rather, you work hard, we do work hard, but we must rely on the Lord's help. Paul tells us, For this purpose I labor, striving according to His power, which mightily works within me. Look to the Lord for strength in your weakness. Please do so. And oh, my friend, He is honored when we bear fruit for Him. And the way to bear much fruit, remember, the character of His Son blossoming in us is by abiding in Christ and seeking the Holy Spirit in prayer for help day by day. But thirdly, our third main point, this growth in the vineyard includes abiding in His love. Now this is amazing. Listen to this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. What a staggering statement. Just as the Father has perfectly loved the Son throughout all eternity, never wavering in His love, so Jesus now loves you and me, saved by His grace. This becomes the greatest motive for why we should want to imitate and be intimate with Christ and commit to growth in the vineyard. He loves us with His infinite, inexhaustible love. As Paul puts it, I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who love, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who what? Who loved me. And gave Himself up for me. Abiding in Christ's love is absolutely essential if you want a genuine, fresh, and fruitful Christian life. Now if your experience of of His love fades, His commandments will seem burdensome. Serving Him may become drudgery. And you will become vulnerable to all sorts of temptations. So the way you keep your love for Christ fresh is to remember His great love for you. Never get over the wonder that the eternal Son of God loved you and gave Himself up for you. He demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died the death that we deserve to die so that we might have life in His name, abundant life. And so as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, and as I encourage you to pray for one another, we pray that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith and that each of us being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that we all may build up to all the fullness of God. I want to really encourage you to please consider this carefully. For sometimes we doubt Christ's love when we go through difficult trials. We mistakenly think if God really loved me, He wouldn't allow these awful things to happen to me. But Jesus is telling us in His Word, just as the Father loved me, so He loves you. Did the Father's perfect love for the Son mean that He spared Him from trials? No. 
He came to do the Father's will, namely, the cross for our redemption, for our salvation. The writer to the book of Hebrews tells us that for the joy that was set before Him, Jesus endured this cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If we think about ourselves, does the Lord's perfect love for you and for me mean that He will spare you from all of our trials? No. Because the Word of God tells us that it's usually through such trials that we come to know Him more deeply. Someone has wisely said, never interpret God's love by your circumstances. Rather, interpret your circumstances by His love. For greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. That's verse 13 of John 15. By this we know love that He laid down His life for us. That's from 1 John chapter 3. My friend, continue in faithfulness as a disciple with the full assurance that the smile of our Savior and the activity of His love, they're upon you. It is the security of abiding in Christ's love that keeps us pressing on and following Him as joyful disciples. There is growth in the vineyard through abiding in Christ His words and in prayer, through bearing fruit by abiding His love, and finally, our fourth point, by obeying His commands in joy. This is verses 10 and 11. Now, obedience is the practical side of abiding in Christ and His love. Now, Jesus does not let us think that abiding in His love is just a warm, fuzzy feeling. He plainly states that to abide in His love, you must keep His commandments. The flip side of this is, you're not abiding in His love if you're living in disobedience to His call. His love rather compels us to follow Him, to obey Him. We take the commands of Christ seriously. You hold them to be precious. You give attention to follow what our Lord commands. And it's again by grace because He's writing His law upon your hearts by the Spirit. We then realize, as John tells us, that His commands are not burdensome. As Jesus has said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For, for the Scripture affirms that there is grace in our obedience as we follow His call. Now, it's relatively easy to obey the Lord when things are going well. But the test of obedience is when He takes you through difficult trials that sometimes you may not understand why these trials are happening. But like Abraham, walking to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son Isaac, you trust Him and you obey. We trust our shepherd and obey him knowing that he has our best interest at heart. And it's through obedience in times of suffering that we grow closer to the Savior, the very one who suffered and died for us. And notice here, this is great. We obey in joy. If I were to ask you what word pops into your mind when I say obedience, what would you say? Oh my goodness, duty, drudgery. Rules, no fun. What about joy? 
What about fullness of joy? For here, Jesus associates obedience with our experience in fullness of joy in Him. So here's a little convicting thought. If you don't associate obedience and fullness of joy, then maybe you need to challenge your heart with the Word of God by the power of the Spirit. It's interesting that in John's Gospel that the word joy has only been used once so far. It's in John chapter 3. But in the upper room, as Jesus is about to fulfill the will of His Father by going to the cross, He uses it seven times. It's amazing. The word, the world does offer a type of joy when things are going well. It's relatively easy to be full of joy when you have a happy marriage, beautiful children, a satisfying, well-paying job and good health. But it's only those of us who know Christ that we're able to proclaim. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Or we're able to proclaim Consider it pure pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. This doesn't mean putting on a happy face when you're hurting inside. No, Hebrews 12 realistically shares and tells us that God's discipline for the moment does not seem joyful, but rather sorrowful. The Bible acknowledges that there's a time for tears, there's a time for grieving. And yet when we come to faith in Christ, our whole attitude toward the commands of God's Word takes on this fresh dimension. Rather than being somewhat and something we dread, His commands become our delight. And so I ask, is this your heartbeat? Do you know the delights of His love as you walk in obedience? Now notice here that Jesus is not commanding anything that He didn't do Himself. Because He's calling us to keep His commandments in verse 10. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Family, we sing about being like Christ. We talk about being our example. We study His life. We marvel at His faithfulness. His joy was being obedient to His Father. And He tells us now to take action by the power of the Spirit to bear fruit. And I'm saying again in context, the fruit of love. Don't just observe Him, but emulate Him in this obedience to the Father. So here we are. At the beginning of a new year of worship, community, and mission. Our life together is to be about our generational business, which is growth in the vineyard. Jesus Christ, as a true vine, calls us to abide in Him, His Word, and in prayer for you individually and for the church. All of life is affected by our relationship to Jesus. We live in daily dependence upon Christ for both our salvation and for our daily walk. To love Him. To trust Him. To know His joy in the fullness of what it means. All together come together as a witness to a watching world. Also to watching brothers and sisters in Christ. To our children who see us 
each day. Our fruit of love and joy adorns the gospel of Jesus Christ so that the unbelieving world recognizes the uniqueness of our relationship to Him through the vine, Jesus Christ. May we walk together in the fullness of Christ. May our growth in the vineyard bring glory to His holy name. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, only the deep, deep love of Jesus by the power of Your Holy Spirit can transform our lives to know the joy of biblical prayer, of bearing fruit, and entrusting You to faithful obedience. O God, may we abide in Christ and His love as He gives us grace to be more like Him. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.